When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, I'm Niall McCorn and this is Football Social Daily. Every single day of the Premier League season, a brand new episode for you packed with news and views from the English top flight. Project Big Picture is still causing a storm, but have we seen a rare bit of common sense from the owners at West Ham United? The Hammers are reportedly against the new proposals set out, despite the plan handing them more Premier League power. Plus, incomings at the London Stadium as David Moyes finally secures a centre-back, although a move for Brentford's Saeed Benrahma appears to be on the rocks. Plus, we'll take a look at all the other transfer gossip, including possible deals at West Bromwich Albion, Leeds United and Spurs, and we'll be putting Aston Villa under the spotlight again in Floodlight Focus. Alongside me on today's podcast, we have the experienced veteran of Jim Salverson. Hello, Jim. You're right, Niall. Yeah, very well, thanks. And it's a debut for a fresh face on the podcast. We've got Matt Cunningham. Hi, Matt. Hi, you're good now. Very well, thanks, Matt. Good to have you joining us. Um, Let's not beat around the bush here because Project Big Picture, Jim, it is still causing a massive rumble on social media. It's no surprise, should we say, that 24, 48 hours on, people are still up in arms about this proposal set forward by Rick Parry, who's the chair of the EFL, in conjunction with the top six Premier League clubs, West Ham United, as part of these proposals, Jim, were offered a golden share, so to speak. They were offered extra power in the decision-making in the Premier League. However, despite all that, they've decided that they're against these new proposals. Is this a surprise to you, considering what we've said in the past about the West Ham ownership? I think... You need to be slightly careful uh, branding the Western ownership as having common sense. Uh, I think that's a. a I thought you were going to say you need to be careful labelling them as power hungry, but no, you went down the common sense. No, I don't think so. No, not at all. Um, I mean, there's different ways to look at this. I think for me, what the statement from the West Ham powers that be has indicated them saying that they don't think project big idea is the way forward for the game i think it shows how covert the planning has been for this potential project and it looks to all intents and purposes that it has just come from the liverpool and manchester united ownership they've spearheaded this and even the clubs that were in their inverted commas top six 
don't seem to have any knowledge of these plans before they've been leaked to the Telegraph and then to the wider world. So when they were intending to reveal this idea, I've no idea. But there certainly hasn't been consultation with the wider Premier League at the moment. As for West Ham's stance on it, saying, oh, we're not sure, this is a great idea, I wouldn't necessarily jump to the conclusion that they're, they've made that decision or taken that stance for the good of the game. Because I think... West Ham's main objective is the future of West Ham and there's certain ideas within Project Big Picture that would not benefit the club such as the reducing the Premier League to 18 teams rather than 20 teams that is largely to benefit teams that will be playing in European competitions to give them a little bit extra breathing space West Ham have played twice in European competition in the last decade and that was the Intertoto Cup and I think both occasions lasted one game I think that's part of the reason I think that's part of the reason of reducing the number of teams so West Ham would look at that as a as lost revenue for two home games and West Ham are a club that still very much benefits from it's in stadium revenue on home games when there are fans allowed in the stadium. And the other part that I think West Ham would be slightly cautious of is the option for those big six clubs to veto new ownership. Because mm. I think it's no secret that at some point over the next three years, West Ham will be looking for new ownership. Sullivan and Gold will look to sell the club sooner or later. And they don't want any added obstacles, any added difficulties to stand in their way of doing that when that time comes. So... It does make sense, and I think I'm very much on the side of West Ham when they're saying this isn't the right step forward for the Premier League, but why they're making those decisions, don't think they're doing it for the good of their fellow men, they're doing it for their own reasons. Interesting you mentioned that you know cutting two Premier League teams out of the division and taking it to 18 teams instead of 20. Interesting that you think that's to you know alleviate the pressure on those clubs playing in European competition. Well, along, alongside with the Charity Shield being dropped and the League Cup being dropped, I, I, I just assumed that was the intention of that decision, was to alleviate fixture congestion, which has been a big problem for the larger teams. Well, for me, it feels like the only reason those two teams have been cut out of the league in these plans is because that's where the loan to the EFL to keep the struggling clubs afloat is coming from. It's those two clubs worth in the Premier League of, of broadcast payments, which is basically where the money is going to be channeled from those two clubs right. that are being cut down to the EFL, which is kind of my take on it. Um, I mean, what, what do you think, Matt? Because obviously we've seen firsthand in the EFL, both as EFL sort of fans on the whole, how difficult things are in the lower divisions right now in terms of finances and whatnot. Um, we mentioned it on yesterday's show about how there are some good ideas in this project big picture, but it does feel like very much, you know, the, the decisions being made at the top of the game are only to benefit those at the top of the game, even though they're trying to convince those lower league clubs that it is to help them as well. Yeah, I would agree. I would absolutely agree. I think it does feel like a bit of a power grab and sort of using COVID-19 in a crisis to benefit uh, the big six and most notably Manchester United and, Man and Liverpool, sorry. Um, I think... For a long time, Liverpool and Manchester United have probably wanted to sort out their own TV deal and it would benefit them being the, probably the two biggest clubs in England, similarly to what they do over in Spain with Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um, but I don't think this is the right way of going about it and using the £250 million uh, one-off payment to sort of suffice the EFL clubs in a really difficult time. As you just mentioned, it's not been great from any EFL club. Obviously, a few EFL clubs coming out like um, Forest Green and I think Preston was another one who have already said it would be great for them. Um, it's just not really the right way of going about it. It doesn't quite feel right, in my opinion, um, and not the right way to get what they want. I think most people are mainly worried about those two teams and 
the whole top six really of having so much power over the English league um, and having so much control over the Premier League as well. It doesn't really seem necessary. I can't stand the logic in that at all or why they wouldn't want that more democratic feeling, um, one vote per club um, system to stay in place, to be honest with you, Niall. Mm, well, talking of affecting real change, we'll leave Project Big Picture to the side for the time being and talk about David Moyes at West Ham United. <laughs> um, now, in all seriousness, a bit of transfer news to bring you from the London Stadium. Uh, Watford's defender uh, Dawson has joined on loan for the rest of the season. There's a possible... Um, clause in there to make that permanent deal in 2021 as well. We spoke on yesterday's podcast, Matt, about West Ham's need to get bodies through the door, particularly addressing issues at centre-back. They've done that, but is this a bit of an underwhelming signing, bringing in a player who's been relegated from the Premier League twice on loan for the rest of the season? Well, that was the opinion that I got um, from social media and from West Ham fans on social media. I thought they were quite uh, brutal at one point with you know the way they were <laughs> treating Craig Dawson I thought you know he's one of your players now you have to get behind him he's not even played a game yet and you're already sort of um, kicking him out the door <laughs> they weren't really they really weren't too happy with that sign and I suppose when you look at the likes of um, Radon that's available at Swansea you know a cheap price is rumored to be on Spurs as well it's like 18 million I think they want for him um, you wonder why West Ham can't splash that kind of money obviously they're looking at um, Ben Rammer and maybe that's the lion's share of that the money that they have available they don't have much cash available not many clubs um, do at this moment in time but Dawson I mean is he an ex is he the player West Ham want is he the future of West Ham is, is that who Moyes wanted to play centre-half uh, club I'm, I'm really sure a 30 year old uh, to be fair vastly experienced you know got a lot of Premier League experience which is maybe what they need because they do have uh, some good players in that squad and maybe a bit of experience to just guide them um, could be a massive help for them over the course of the season but I, I had a look last season as well playing for Watford obviously leaked goals throughout the season and uh, in the 30 games he played for Watford, they conceded 56 goals. He was part of that 8-0 thrashing against Manchester City. So from a defensive standpoint, I don't know uh, if his record is there in the past few years. And I know Watford, a few Watford fans particularly weren't very happy with him and would be happy to see him go. Um, he's not featured much for them this season, if at all, in, in fact. And yeah, I really don't know. I think West Ham fans, right to feel uninspired, but I would also say direct your anger in the right place and not a guy that's not even played a single minute for your club yet. Would you echo those thoughts, Jim, as a West Ham United fan? Or, you know, we said yesterday it was simply about getting bodies in and West Ham have done that, but it's someone who isn't to the taste of the fans, as Matt points out. It's certainly not the next level signing that West Ham fans were promised when we left Upton Park, but I kind of do see a little bit of sense in this, unfortunately. There's a phrase going around on social media at the moment, which is back the players, back the team, not the regime which is kind of how West Ham fans feel at the moment, that we will support the team, we will support the players. We definitely don't support Gold, Brady and Sullivan and what they're doing to the football club. In terms of Craig Dawson and what he's going to offer, I think the structure of the deal makes it make sense in that West Ham failed miserably to get any of their primary centre-back targets. We know they were targeting James Tchaikovsky. We know they were targeting a few centre-backs right across Europe and none of that quite came off. They went in for Tamori and offered him £40,000 a week for every time he didn't play or some rubbish like that. So we know they failed miserably in getting their primary targets. So they had to look elsewhere. They needed desperately to get bodies into that defence because or into the squad, because it's a very, very thin squad at the moment. And to that end, Craig Dawson kind of makes a bit of sense. Yeah, he's on the wrong 
end of his career. He reminds me a little bit of when we signed Roger the Relegator Johnson uh, a few <laughs> years back. and got relegated as a result of that. But I think he can offer something. I think he probably won't be a first-choice defender. Uh, it'll probably even be a fifth-choice centre-back behind Diop and Balbuena and even Aaron Cresswell, who's been playing well, and Ogbonga. Uh, so there you're kind of probably your four first-choice centre-backs, and we're playing three at the moment. So he probably slots in behind that. But he has got experience, and he will benefit a few of the young players that are coming through at the moment. And it's not costing the club a lot of money. It's not going to be someone they sign at the end of the loan deal. It's going to be paying wages. I imagine there isn't even a fee involved, because I believe there was some kind of deal done with Ngakia, who went the other way to Watford at the end of his contract at West Ham so I believe it's some kind of make weight there as well so it's not the worst deal in the world it's just not particularly inspiring I think it suits Watford as well because if you look at their squad it's bloated to say the least and they have been keen to try and get rid of some players the likes of Danny Welbeck available on a free transfer don't fancy a punt on him Jim as a West Ham fan I think Danny Welbeck could do a job somewhere he's a hell of a risk and it depends what kind of wages he was demanding I think he's on 100 or was on 100 grand a week at Watford had his contract terminated so he's not going to be cheap even though he's a free transfer but I think he could do a job somewhere same goes for Daniel Sturridge two players that will be desperate to resurrect their career and two players that are still relatively young when you compare them to how long it feels like they've been around. I don't think he's the right player for West Ham at the moment. I mean, we do need strength and depth right across the team. Um, But I I think West Ham have been burnt too many times before with that fallen star, that quite expensive but enigmatic talent. Uh, So I don't think they'll be in for Welbeck, but I think he'll do a job somewhere. I can see Sheffield United maybe taking a punt. You say falling star, but what about rising star? Because that's what Saeed Benrahma's been in the championship over the last couple of seasons. A deal to West Ham United looked imminent over the last few days, but now in the last 24 hours, Matt, it seems that the deal's kind of either fallen through or it's definitely on the rocks. Conflicting reports over whether he will actually link up with David Moyes and co at the London Stadium. How much of a blow is that for West Ham and the supporters if, you know, this deal for Benrahma, which looked all signed, sealed and delivered, does fall through? Jim... We'll be able to speak on this better than I will, but Ben Rama, uh, I watch a lot of the championship and being a fan of the EFL myself, and he was fantastic last season. He's a really talented player. He's one of those players that's, um, even if he doesn't do anything, he's almost fun to watch. You know, the way he moves around the pitch, his technique. Um, if you know, if you saw the second goal he scored against Fulham in the Carabao Cup only the other day, it was an absolute world. He's, you know, one of the best goals I've seen all season. Um, and I thought at 30 million, it wasn't a bad price. I didn't particularly understand the selling of uh, Grady Diangana and then bringing in another winger anyway who's a bit older than him. So I wasn't too sure about the idea of that business, but maybe it was something that had to be done, something that uh, you know we don't know about. Maybe Grady Angana wanted to leave. I'm not too sure. He didn't. Um, but if that transfer, <laughs> he did not. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so I can't. He was very disappointed to leave the club. <laughs> don't get Jim started on that. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's something I can't really understand. Then I can't really get my head around you know, the thinking behind that. But Ben Rama is, is a really good player. would be a huge asset. Um to West Ham and if, if this one falls through it would be a bit of a blow I think I read that uh, Palace are in for him as well and a few other Premier League teams so maybe he's um, flirting with the idea of going somewhere else or West Ham maybe doesn't appeal to him not to offend you Jim I don't, <laughs> I don't really know um, what he's thinking uh, but what I would ask you uh, Jim is would you favour the bringing in of Craig Dawson maybe Penny Pinchin at the back in favour of bringing in a, a flair player up top like Ben Rama? I think uh, West Ham desperately needed a quality centre-back and we didn't get a quality centre-back. I would have probably rather seen a strengthen there because 
particularly before Anderson left, Felipe Anderson, we probably had enough players in those positions. Felipe Anderson leaving has maybe left us a touch short and we are where we are, essentially. So there is money that to be reinvested in the squad. And I think Said Barama could be one of those players that lights up the London Stadium. He kind of in the guise of that Dimitri Payet, Paolo Di Canio, Ayel Berkovic, kind of that flair player that West Ham fans tend to really get behind. And also a little bit of a wild card, a little bit of a loose cannon. Um, and that, to all intents and purposes, that's what I think has happened with this deal. My understanding is it was last minute demands that has slightly skewed the deal and put it off the rails. But I'm not quite sure where those demands are coming from because he had agreed personal terms already with the club. I think a fee had been agreed between West Ham and Brentford. So I understand the deal has broken down between Brahma mm. and Brentford. He's fallen out with the club, which I can only assume is down to a loyalty payment or something along those lines. So he's certainly got the temperament, that kind of fiery temperament that would make <laughs> him fit in at West Ham. Um, I, I, I'm still quite positive about this one. I think the deal might still go ahead, but obviously there's a big 48 hours to go. Well, you likened him to Berkovic and Payet. He's either going to leave with the hatred of the supporters or get booted in the head by a teammate. So he's, <laughs> he's got a great future ahead of him. Either or. Anyway, that's enough for part one of today's Football Social Daily. But stick around because afterwards we'll be talking more transfer news from the Premier League, including possible deals for West Brom, Leeds and Tottenham Hotspur. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social, the only daily Premier League podcast you can find. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and that way you won't miss another episode of the show, a new release every single day of the season. No one else does that, so make sure you get involved. Right, time to talk transfers now. And Charlie Austin supposedly wants out of West Bromwich Albion. He only scored 10 goals last season for the Baggies, Matt. It's one of those moves where you're not really surprised, but at the same time, we've seen him play in the Premier League in the past and seen him score goals in the Premier League in the past. So is is there a surprise there that, that perhaps Premier League clubs in this climate aren't interested in possibly picking him up? Yeah, it's always a bit of a surprise when experienced players are let go. You feel like it almost feels quite wrong, doesn't it? Especially only being 30, 31 years old. He's still got plenty of years left in him. And as you said, a good goal scorer throughout the Premier League and Championship in the last few years as well. But I don't think this is one that West Brom fans will be particularly crying over. Um, I don't think they'll be particularly upset if he does decide to go or if he does move back down to the championship, which I think is probably, in my opinion, his level um, at this moment in time. he I don't think he's played a game for West Brom this season. They're favouring um, Callum Robinson. And I think it, it probably makes sense for both parties if Charlie Austin makes his way back down to the championship. But where I think he can score goals, I think the championship suits him. If he can get into the right setting and the right environment, he could spring back to life and be the Charlie Austin that we knew four, five, six years ago. Um, that was prolific even at the highest level in English football. So, yeah, I, I think West Brom fans probably pretty content with this one, won't be worried about it too much. And it makes sense all round for him to maybe make that move back down to the championship. It looks like Derby County are the interested party here, Jim. But as Matt mentions, you know, someone who has scored goals and has a decent record in the championship and the Premier League. Um, with West Brom at the moment struggling down the bottom end of the table and it looks like it might be a battle for them all season... Could they have done worse than to, to possibly sweeten things up for Austin and, and maybe keep him around? 
Yeah, I think he's the kind of player that actually West Brom need right now because they're desperately short up front. So I can only assume if he is going to be leaving that they have got reinforcements planned because we know Slaven Bilic is desperate for a striker. And when you've already got one who... And yeah, Charlie Austin, he hasn't really found any form, any true goal-scoring form for probably three, four years now. It was probably Queen's Park Rangers when he was last scoring regularly, kind of like every other game or something like that. So he was never going to be that 20-goal-a-season striker for West Brom. But when you're as short up front as the Baggies are at the moment, it's surprising that they're willing to let a proven goal-scorer go. So I think they must have something up their sleeve. There must be an incoming transfer there. They must be bringing someone in, and the idea is to offload those wages in order to balance the books. Yeah, at the moment, obviously, Callum Robinson, kind of the the one where the the pressure's falling on to, to get the goals for, for West Brom. But with only a few days left, three days now until that 16th of October deadline, who knows where West Brom might go in terms of a search for a new striker. Um, What about midfield players and creative midfield players at that? Because that's what Leeds United are said to be interested in because they have their eye on Todd Campwell, according to reports. The Norwich midfielder from last season had a really good debut campaign in the Premier League. Plenty of that Norwich side, Jim, have been snapped up. Um, already this transfer window you're looking at the likes of Godfrey Lewis who have gone to Premier League clubs in Everton and Newcastle respectively Cantwell was one of those who certainly stood out last season in what was an otherwise dismal campaign for Norwich yeah I'm surprised that a club didn't come in early doors for him because I thought he was showing all the hallmarks of a really talented attacking midfield player kind of looked reminiscent of James Madison at times when he was at Norwich City and obviously he's gone on to great things at Leicester City um Yeah, I mean, if he's going to get a move to anywhere, then a team like Leeds are the team kind of team that's going to come in. And I can only think it's his haircut, to be honest with you, that's standing in his way for getting a proper Premier League move because he's got a terrible (laughs) barnet. But that must be it. I mean, he's a great. Him and Max Ahrens were the standout players for me last season. And yet they're the two players who haven't had a move away from the club yet. I understand Norwich aren't in the greatest financial health. So... I imagine they will be willing to listen to offers for those players as long as they get the correct fees. Um, But we saw with the likes of Jamal Lewis going off to Newcastle, they are willing to make those deals. So two really good, young, talented players over in East Anglia Anglia, that should get a move somewhere. I mean, with Todd Campwell, it's, it's very much you kind of... You look at him and Timu Puki last season for Norwich... Matt and it was those two players if if they weren't delivering and then probably Emmy Buendia as well if those three weren't delivering then you probably weren't really fancying Norwich to pick up anything from any of the games and that's no disrespect to them it just wasn't a great season for them so in terms of the style of Campwell's play and, and how he can sort of bring that creative flair to his side I mean the fact that he could be on his way to Ellen Road seems like quite a good fit with the way Marcelo Bielsa plays his football and the chances and the possession game that, that Leeds United play. Campwell, you can see him sorting into that that setup quite nicely, actually. Yeah, I think you're spot on. That's exactly uh, what I would have said. I, I love the idea of the transfer. I think it works perfectly. And the rumored fee that I heard, twenty million, it, an absolute bargain in the current market. Obviously, COVID, this COVID nineteen plague season is a bit of an anomaly. Um, but I think if it is rumoured to be about £20 million, you would imagine more Premier League teams would prick up and go, well, hang on, you know, he's a great player, eh? a good option for us, did well in the Premier League last season, a young English player, which is so desirable um, in English football and really all over Europe at the minute. Um, so it, it makes a lot of sense. And as you just said, the way the way Marcelo Bielsa sets his team up, the way Leeds play football, 
Um, it's enjoyable to watch. It seems like a perfect setup for a young English forward who tries to be creative, who tries to um, take risks and maybe lose the ball, but also when it comes off, it looks fantastic. Uh, it seems like the perfect place for him to go. Similarly to when young players go over to Dortmund in Germany, it feels very similar to that leads to me at the moment. And so, yeah, the transfer, it makes a lot of sense. He's a good player. I think he'd be a great asset for Leeds and another good option. It's a great place for him to go on and really progress and push on from the good season that he had last year as well. I mean, how much of a benefit is the fact that he has played a year in the Premier League, Matt? Even though even though it was a relegation season for Norwich, it has to be said. A year's experience in the Premier League, that might be invaluable for him for his development moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And and, it, and not only that, you see, I mean, you say it was a relegation year, but a year's experience with a team that are getting relegated and the struggles that you go through and every game being a real grind and not really going too well for you, things not going your way very often. That's probably an invaluable experience for a, a youngster as well, a guy who's was 21 last season to go through that and still have a good season still come out with the majority of the English um, football fans and English media still uh, seeing you in a good light and still thinking you're a top-end player and have all that potential is a great sign um, for Todd Campwell and I think last season can only help him it can only benefit him to Norwich's relegation is not a knock on him in any way it's a, it's a it was a team effort they, they weren't a great team but he as Jim said moments ago was one of the standout players along with Pookie and uh, Max Aarons and Jamal Lewis as well. Um, so I think he's a great transfer for Cantwell personally and also for Leeds as well. Well, you mentioned him earlier, Matt. Joe Rodon is the next name on our transfer gossip list and that's because Tottenham Hotspur is supposedly eyeing up a move for the Swansea City defender. He's been likened to Rio Ferdinand in recent media reports. Um, Jose Mourinho needs a defender, Jim. Sounds like it's a pretty much a done deal. Sounds like it's going to happen over the next few hours. Um, and a great, talented young player, capped at international level and shown some real ability when playing for Swansea. I don't know if it feels like a Jose Mourinho signing. That's my big question. I know it's a bit of a cliche to say Jose doesn't like young players, but it's a cliche because it's true. We know he's not a fan of giving too much responsibility to those with age on their side. And at 22, whether Jose Mourinho is going to see him as that linchpin to a solid defence or not I just don't know so I think he he has got all the attributes as you say he has that kind of ability to play out of the back like Rio Ferdinand could in his pomp and he's very calm on the ball he's quick so he's got all the attributes to make it in the Premier League whether he gets the chance at Spurs under Jose Mourinho is a completely another question if he does I think you've got to back him for success because he looks like a real talent and as Matt said earlier, very disappointed that he wasn't one of the players that West Ham were looking at. I mean, in terms of what Tottenham can achieve now, Jose's got them off to a good start to the season, Jim. You're kind of looking at this move and thinking, well, this is such a good opportunity for me to learn under one of the best managers in the game, regardless of the opinions on him from outside. Uh, is it a no-brainer for someone like Rodon to, to, to kind of take this move and really challenge himself in the Premier League? I think it's pretty much a no-brainer for any championship player who's offered a chance of going to what is one of the top six clubs in the Premier League to get the chance of that move, financially and in terms of career progression. I think it's too early to call that this is the season for Tottenham um, and that Jose Mourinho, the dark clouds are lifted and it's a bright new future. We're, we're, what, three, four games into the season, so it might be a little bit early to take that call. But you look at the team that, Jose Mourinho currently has at his disposal and take for example the team that played against Manchester United there is talent all over that pitch in an attacking sense and you've still got Gareth Bale to come into that starting 11 as well but then you look at the back four of 
Eric, well, Eric Dyer and Davison Sanchez at the centre of that defence. I mean, Eric Dyer, I don't particularly fancy as a centre-back. So there is definitely room for improvement defensively. And it could be the missing piece in the puzzle. But let's not get carried away that Jose Mourinho isn't going to implode at some point this season and burn down the new Spurs <laughs> stadium or something along those lines because it's definitely on the cards. You hate Jose, don't I you? I love Jose. You low-key hate Jose him. is no, one of my favourite people in football, but he is a f***ing nutter. <laughs> maybe that's a good way to end the transfer talk for this section of Football Social Daily we'll move from Tottenham Hotspur to Aston Villa next because it's floodlight focus after the break and we'll be speaking to Max Stokes from Villa on tour to discuss all things about Dean Smith's side coming up next here on Football Social Daily Football Social Daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk the latest Premier League news for your team just ask Open Sport Social Welcome back to Football Social Daily from Sports Social now it's time for Floodlight Focus here on the podcast which is where we take one of any of the 20 Premier League clubs and put them under the spotlight by someone who knows them really really well and today it's time for Aston Villa where Max Stokes from Villa on Tour has been speaking to Jim Max Stokes, a.k.a. Villa on Tour. How you doing, Max? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, Tar. So, the window closed for Aston Villa and the rest of the Premier League, obviously, just for the international break. I was pretty impressed by the work that was done by Dean Smith. Because, for me, in my head, Aston Villa have kind of gone from surefire relegation fodder to actually a pretty impressive-looking outfit. You must be pretty happy with the players that have come in over the last few months. Yeah, definitely. I think we've had a very good window. I think if you obviously we came 17th last season, so I think we all knew we've got owners who are willing to invest. They 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 showed that last year when we brought in um, 13 players. But I think the issue is when we got promoted in 2019, we brought in these 13 players from all over Europe, um, and they were sort of you know we spent 130 million pounds, and if you work that out, that's only 10 million pounds a player. Mm. And these players were starting. I don't think they were just the quality that we needed um, and those sort of players that we bought last year are now becoming the squad players and we're bringing in these quality players like your Ross Barclays uh, Bertrand Traore players like that who can actually raise the quality of the side um, and I think that's that's why we've had a, a decent start to the season obviously we've only played three games so <laughs> you've got to give it till the end of November start of December to, to really see where we are but no we, we definitely had a really good window brought in some quality all over the pitch and uh, yeah it's, it's looking good so far I think it felt like last season you just needed bodies and this season you can kind of take that step up and improve the playing squad. And interesting you mentioned Ross Barkley because he's the really interesting one for me because many people were writing him off at Chelsea. But obviously we know we know what he could do from his time at Everton. And in the one game he's played for Aston Villa, he kind of looked a little bit like his old self again. What do you think will be the secret to him having success this season? Yeah, in that Liverpool game where we won 7-2, he was absolutely incredible. And I think, yeah, like like you mentioned, back back in his Everton days, he was fantastic. He got the move to Chelsea, and I just think there was, there was too much quality there. And especially this summer where they've brought in Havertz, Ziyech, he just wasn't going to get the mm. football. And I was surprised that we signed him because, you know, he'd been playing in the Cups for Chelsea, he'd been on the bench, he was making the odd appearance. So when, when we announced that we signed him, it was, it was really out of the blue. But I think... His partnership with Jack Grealish is is going to be vital. I think if he can stay fit, which is a big if because because he's had his issues in the past, his partnership with Grealish could really really help. 
Villa and I think it's going to help Jack as well because we saw in that Liverpool game and we saw last season that Jack he carried Villa without him we would have got relegated hands down and you could see at times he was getting frustrated because there was simply just a lack of quality around him and he was really struggling just to pull Villa through and in the end he did which massive credit to Jack Grealish but when he's got the quality of Ollie Watkins Ross Barkley around him it's only going to take Jack to the next level as well so hopefully his partnership with Ross and things like that is going to is going to take us further but definitely from what we've seen so far which admittedly is one game but yeah Ross Barkley is that that proper Premier League quality that that we need what is the secret how have Aston Villa managed to attract these players because from the outside looking in you haven't got the kind of enigmatic manager in Dean Smith he's not like a Nuno Espirito Sanchez or something along those lines and yet you've competed with on the face of it much bigger clubs to attract the likes of Ollie Watkins and Ross Barkley and Matty Cash that play other teams in the league were looking at but somehow Villa have got the deals over the line yeah, I think there's a you know a range of things. I think, yes, obviously Villa are a big club, but look at the last 10 years. We have been through some, some really bad times. We've had some dodgy owners, owners that don't know what they're doing, owners that have stopped willing spending money like Randy Lerner. Um, and I think I think the, th- the main thing is the project that we've been going on, that has been going on at Villa. I think we've got these owners in that came in a couple of years ago. Um, they got us promoted in their first season. They're, they look like they are willing to spend money. They look like they are really you know interested in Villa and really want to take us forward. And that that's the main thing I think. Dean Smith I think is is massively underrated, 100%. He's a, he's a fantastic manager. He came in when we were 15th in the Championship. Um, admittedly, we had a great squad with the likes of Abraham up front, Jack Grealish, Tyrone Mings in the Championship. So yeah, you could on the face of it say that that squad was good enough. But still, we, he had a massive job on his hands in the Championship. And to to keep a side in the Premier League um, like he did last season with on the face of it, not a great squad. Mm. Um, he's got to be given massive credit. So I think Dean Smith um, is is a part of it as well. And I think just just wanting to play with players like Jack Grealish I think him signing that five year deal was massive because if he didn't sign that deal and Barkley would have uh, sorry if Jack would have gone I don't think we would have got you know the likes of Ross Barkley Mm. so I think you've got to look at Jack Grealish staying who was the poster boy of Villa Dean Smith and what he's achieved and just the project I think when Jack Grealish signed that deal he said that the main thing that wanted him to stay was what the owner said and what they wanted to do with this club and where they wanted us to be um, in the next few years so I think we've got a good thing going on at Villa it's still massively you know early days but it's looking good so far certainly a massive statement of intent to get him to sign that contract the transfer spending might not be over yet. There's links this morning with Aston Villa for not only Sed Barama from Brentford, but also Josh King, who are the, probably the two big championship names that are likely to move over the next four days. Would you pick one of them out of the two to make the Villa lineup? It's a tough one. I think ever since uh, Brentford lost that playoff final, there's there's been links with uh, Villa and Saeed Benrama. But yeah, that, that seems to be going on for a while. But I just think... I, I just don't really think we need him. If, if Villa mm. need anything, I think it's a striker. Obviously, we've got Ollie Watkins, um, who's, who's been fantastic. But if he gets injured, obviously Wesley's been injured since New Year's Day. He's not going to be fit for months. Um, the only other player that, uh, that we've got up front is Keenan Davis, who has played a few Premier League games. I remember since Project Restart, he was the starting striker and he, he didn't score. He's a good player. He's got good hold at play, but he simply doesn't score. So I think if Ollie Watkins does you know, get injured, which nobody wants, um, will be in massive trouble. So I think Josh King would be a decent signing as a, as a backup striker mm-hmm. but I just don't think Ben Rama anymore if you said would you want Ben Rama two months ago 100% would have taken him but but right now I think I think we're over that especially for the money that uh, Brentford would want for him but I, I wouldn't say no to Josh King that's for sure so real 
indication of how far you've come in the last few months in terms of personnel, isn't it? <laughs> to be able to say that now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, you know, we definitely needed wingers and strikers. Like going into the transfer window, the attacking area was definitely where we needed to strengthen. Because mm-hmm. I think since Project Restart, we had one of the best defences. Um, and I don't know what Dean Smith did over, over the three months of lockdown, because before that, we had an awful defence. Our last game before lockdown was a awful 4-0 defeat away at Leicester on a horrible rainy Monday night um, so I don't know what he did over lockdown but he sorted out the defence so definitely up front was where we, ne- we needed to strengthen we have so apart from striker I think I think we're sorted Project Big Picture has probably been the big news for a lot of fans this week what was your reaction to those leaked plans from the owners of Manchester United and Liverpool to reshape the league now obviously Aston Villa were not deemed one of the quotation marks big clubs that would be afforded special voting rights in their new league format so what did you make of the proposals do you think it's the power hungry land grab that it's been dubbed yeah i think so i think it's 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 when they came up with these plans they've got the thing are we going to give money to the to the smaller clubs in the efl and stuff but at at heart it's definitely got you know the the big clubs that's where their focus is and like southampton and west ham were deemed one of these these big clubs and it's it's just a funny one i don't think it's going to happen i think people mentioned that it's it's one step closer to this european super league Mm. and i i I think they've taken advantage of the whole coronavirus situation with the premier league as well so yeah i I don't think it's very fair on the majority of teams and i would definitely not like to see it happen so you mentioned leicester city pre-lockdown and the defeat there your next big test is going to be leicester city away how are you feeling about that one? Because Leicester City have just been beaten by West Ham. You've just beaten Liverpool. So, I mean, I'm sure the odds won't reflect this, but you wouldn't bet against an Aston Villa win, would you? No, I don't think I'd bet against it. I'd never bet against Aston Villa at the moment, but uh, I'm not sure. People saying, yeah, that, that 7-2 was a one-off Um but yeah, Leicester City, they're a tough one as well because like you said, they, they lost to West Ham at home. They showed real fight at Manchester City away where they won 5-2. Yeah. So I genuinely couldn't call it. I think it's going to be a really good game. It's on a Sunday night um, under the floodlights. I'd, I'd, I'd take a draw, 100%. Look, Leicester City, they're still a fantastic side and they'll be pushing for top four this season. But yeah, it's a tough one. If you play like we did against Liverpool, I wouldn't bet, us, bet against us getting the win, but it depends what Leicester turns up as well. But I'd, I'd probably take a draw there. Max, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. If people want to hear more from you and your views on Villa, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm Villa on Tour on YouTube. Still doing a few bits on there. Twitter as well, at Villa on Tour underscore. I'm always on there. Top man, Max. Nice one. Cheers, mate. Right then, that's that for Floodlight Focus for Aston Villa. Don't forget, if you are a YouTuber, blogger, supporter, Twitter celebrity, anyone, in fact, who fancies chatting about your club here on Football Social Daily, Get in touch with us via social media. Slide into our DMs on Twitter. It's at the Sports Social. You can find us on Instagram, Sports Social Official. And you can also find us on Facebook too. Just do a quick search for Sports Social. That's it for today's show. I've been Niall. Thanks very much, Jim. Nice one, mate. Thank you very much, Matt. Great debut. Yeah, thank you, Niall. You can also check out our Amazon Alexa and Google Home skills. Just ask your device to open Sports Social for the latest news, match previews and match reports on your Premier League side because the games will be back very, very soon. The international break is almost over, but that doesn't mean we won't have more podcasts for you because we'll have another one again tomorrow. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at The Sports Social.